Okay, I got a link for you. And this link is a propos of nothing. It just exists. Okay, let's see it. It just got stuck in my head. I probably watched this like two months ago. But it just keeps – I just keep thinking about it. And sometimes <laughs> okay, that's okay. what the show is for. So, bro, did you see this? Dr. Pepper, the famous 23-flavor soda, has lots of spinoff products, such as Diet Dr. Pepper. Oh, what? That's not the topic here today, though. Wait. No, we're not talking about Diet Dr. Pepper barbecue sauce. Uh-huh. But what we are talking about is hot Dr. Pepper. Wait, what? That's right. Hot Dr. Pepper was originally introduced in the 1960s as a winter beverage. Anyway, I'm going to teach you how to make it. All you need is a Dr. Pepper, a can or a bottle will be fine. And just proceed to open it, but don't blow it up like I did. Because, you know, bad Dr. Pepper right there. I love this recipe. Anyway, you want to heat up a pan? Heat up a pan or, or anything. Anything. And just pour, and just a pour the Dr. Pepper, Pepper in, bro. As much as you want. As much as you want. Yeah. There's no measure. Doesn't right. matter. And as soon as we did that, we're going to take a lemon and a knife and make a small slice and then put it into the glass that you're going to pour the hot Dr. Pepper in. That can't be good. And not taste-wise. I mean, like, the chemicals. When the Dr. Pepper starts sizzling or steaming up, that's it. Just take it off and pour it in your glass. What? <sighs> that's all. It's just freaking Dr. Pepper that's boiled. Did you hear that Mario is no longer a plumber? Yeah, what's up with that? How are they going to do that? I have no idea. That's J.K. Rowling style, just retconning stuff for no reason. For real. <laughs> so this is this is Nintendo's new character description for Mario. All around sporty, whether it's tennis or baseball, soccer or car racing, he, in parentheses, Mario, does everything cool. As a matter of fact, he also seems to have worked as a plumber a long time ago. So he, he they're still keeping in canon. He just no longer is a plumber. I mean, I haven't seen him plumbing any pipes lately, have you? No, but... He's busy saving the world over and over again from the same person over and over again. It's very Batman of him. Mario is Batman? I mean, maybe. That's a mashup t-shirt somewhere, I bet you. Did you hear about his uh, newly uncovered relationship with Yoshi? <laughs> yeah! Yeah, so a while ago, people were wondering if in Super Mario World for the Super Nintendo, if Mario was punching Yoshi, because he kind of does this little fist pump before Yoshi ever does a lick. And there I guess it was like a thing because a few years ago a blog like found art that had him like pushing his hand forward in a commanding way and was like no, he's not punching him. But then I guess one of the people that originally designed the game just said, "Oh yeah. He totally was." <laughs> I love that they didn't even because it could be the truth. Yeah. But they could have lied. <laughs> they could have covered it up. <laughs> yeah. No, of course he's not punching Yoshi. That's that's a fact. That's canon. Yeah. He's no longer a plumber, and he used to be abusive. <laughs> yeah, he's just punching him in the back of the head. So every single time that Yoshi pushes that tongue out to grab an item, that's because he's getting popped in the back of the cranium by our old ex-plumber. And I don't know about you, but when I played Super Mario World, it's probably one of my favorite games on that console. Yeah. Whenever I would get a Yoshi, uh-huh. I just would run around the stage, even if there was nothing to grab, and I would just fling his tongue out because it just was a fun animation and made a fun noise. Right. So it's good to know that I just was giving Yoshi brain damage. <laughs> yeah, every single time. Yoshi has CTE. It is what it is. Apparently, they wanted him to be a horse, too. I read that somewhere. Huh. They were like, it'd be fun for Mario to ride a horse, and then they decided somewhere along the way to just make that into a dinosaur. I actually have one more bit of Mario news. 
just a Mario kind of day. No, no, no. This is not a Mario day. We always talk about Mario. It's a Mario-themed show. Didn't everyone know that? That's true. It's always Mario. Super Mario Run, that iPhone game. Yeah. They came out with an update, and they changed the music. Mm-hmm. And the music is has taken a turn. Wait. Whoa. What? <laughs> That's weird. I don't know if I dig that. They went for some soulful vibes. They make weird decisions sometimes. They sure do. They sure do. <laughs> that I don't understand at all. They just kind of go for it. All right, what's the next link? China's huge panda-shaped solar farm. Oh my god, this is huge. Yeah. So they made a solar farm of all these solar panels and they made it into the shape of a panda face. It looks adorable. I can't say it doesn't look adorable. Yeah. But I don't know if it's the most optimal use of space I've ever seen. So I sent you a Google image search. All right. So they, they've been doing this for a while. These are all real? There's there's definitely some concept ones in there, but there's definitely some real ones. I guess it makes sense in one way. Yeah. I saw this one time, this video, and it was making Rhodes solar panels. That's amazing. If they were actually durable enough. It was such a, a really cool uh, plan. I never followed up with him, but... Oh, good. Yeah. Good, good. pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Whoops, my bad. I didn't care enough to do anything about it, but... I mean, I liked it, but I didn't care. Mm-hmm. Of course. That's fair. All right, show me something. Okay. Uh, well, we can we can keep talking about technology being a bit innovative. Uh, I don't know if you saw this or not, but I was intrigued by this concept of a project Levi's X Google. Oh, I did hear about it. So it charges your phone? No, it doesn't. So it's basically that this is this is the thing, right? Is it's cool and not cool at the same time. Because what it essentially is is this jacket that has this little Bluetooth receptacle on the sleeve. But not only does it have it on the sleeve, but it literally has these digital fibers woven into the cuff. And you can basically use them as a very fancy Bluetooth remote to play and pause music, to answer and decline calls, to... So an Apple Watch. It is an Apple Watch, but instead of a watch on your wrist, it is literally built into the fibers of your jacket, which is an interesting concept because I've never seen that before. Hmm. Now, obviously, there's some pros and cons to that, right? The con is the fact that you have to wear that jacket every single day at every single moment to get those features. And if you live in Florida, forget it. Right, and you're never going to do that. And I would argue that this is maybe not the most beautiful version of it. No, not at all. The fibers woven in are really cool, but it's got this big old bulky looking... Cuff. Yeah, that's like a... Basically looks like the size of an Apple Watch. Yeah, you might as well just wear a watch. And I think I could be wrong... But I that actually that that might be it. So I could be wrong. But they were talking about how there's like something that they were calling a clip or a tag. I think they called it a tag. And that was like where the Bluetooth chip is and everything. So that might be right there or it might be hidden somewhere else in the jacket. But obviously we want to get further away from that kind of stuff. But what I like about it is just the idea of fashion integrating technology more and more as time goes on. I don't know, man. I don't know if this is doing it for me. I don't see its benefit. Or I don't see like a use case that like, yeah, sweet, that I don't already get from uh, having my phone on me right. or having an Apple Watch, a smart device, like a wearable, or you know my AirPods. 
with the third version, well, it's really the fourth version of the Apple Watch now out, would you consider getting one at this point? Uh, still, no. I still have, like, you know, obviously leaving your phone at home, that's cool. But I don't want to leave my phone at home. You're not super interested in the LTE? Yeah, that's, I don't know. It's not uh, doing it for me. It's cool. That's great. About time. But, eh. Yeah, I think that there's something to be said about just the concept that people are wanting to disconnect a little bit more. And I actually don't know if this solves that problem. They really go hard on the concept of like, put your phone in your pocket and bike to work and don't have to worry about looking at it while you're on a commute. So they're less about like, leave it at home and more about like, you actually can't look at it right now because you're trying to be safe. But there, there's something to be said about that, that I think people understand that the world has shifted in a way that they can't just put their phone down and not look at it for 24 hours. That's not possible anymore. Yeah. They'll be wondering if an emergency happens. They'll be wondering if something work-related is going to happen that they need to know, or more importantly, something with their loved ones is going to happen that they need to know. But at the same time, they don't want that just ever-present distraction of emails coming in and notifications and news stories and this and that. And so like an Apple Watch solves that in that way of if you wanted to go work out, if you wanted to go for a run, if you wanted to just go for a walk, if you wanted to go for a ride to Starbucks or something like that, and you just wanted to be away from your phone for a little bit, if somebody calls you, they can still get a hold of you. If you want to listen to music, you can still do it. If you get a text message and you want to respond, you can still do it. But other than that, you're kind of disconnected. And I think that stuff's going to be more normal as time goes on, don't you? I think, yes, it'll be more normalized, but I still, I want the, the life improvement. I don't want the task improvement. This fixes, I want to go running, but I don't want to hold my phone. Okay. Take the Apple watch. This fixes, I'm riding my bike and I can't pull up my phone, but I need directions on my commute. Okay. Wear this Levi smart jacket. I want something that will change the way I interact with my devices and improve it. I don't want just like one aspect to be fixed. I'm having to sell the idea like, eh, I'm not going to buy in just yet. Yeah, as far as this jacket goes, I don't think that this jacket is like something that I want to rush out and buy. But I think it's just cool that people like Levi's are starting to think, how can we integrate technology into pieces of clothing that are going to last a minute? It's neat. Take us somewhere else. On this this uh, Silicon Valley startup vibes. Bro, did you see this? Oh my gosh, I almost brought this up to you. Yeah, so there's a company called Bodega, and they're basically trying to make a convenience store within a vending machine. Uh, and people were not kind to them and their startup. So I get the dislike for this idea, but what I don't get is it's the wrong dislike. Okay, tell me what you mean by that. <laughs> so people are upset because this, you know, aims to replace local uh, corner stores, drug stores, bodegas. And people are like, no, those are small businesses. I want to pour back into my community. That's all good and great. The reason people actually should be upset is this is a dumb idea. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it is a vending machine right. wrapped up in a startup. Right. And maybe I'm not getting it. I'm not seeing the appeal. Maybe I don't live in like a sky rise in New York apartment building and I, you know – I'm not seeing the convenience, but this just seems so – yeah, it's been done. Yeah. And? When I when I heard about it, I thought that's kind of interesting because what they said was, look, what we're trying to do is put in your apartment building all the things that you need and want. So to me, it's less like your bodega down the street and more like 
a replacement for what is it called amazon prime now or like a trip to walgreens you know whenever i stay in san francisco we'll drive down and we'll inevitably think oh shoot we forgot to bring x toothpaste or something like that and to be able to like just grab it from the apartment complex isn't a bad idea because the way that I would usually solve that is by driving to City Target or you know walking down to Walgreens or something like that. The problem is that I don't even know if these necessarily would do that for me because they're really small. They're small vending machines. Yeah. They're not even like massive things. They're smaller than regular vending machines, I feel like. The one that they have on display themselves has a bunch of alcohol, smart water, some different vitamin water, a whole box of LaCroix because obviously. Yep. And then – just snacks, Cheetos, and Bugles. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't seem like it's enough no way. to like make it a worthwhile idea. Yeah, and I mean, so like the, the only thing I, that I imagine they would have is something like Advil or like emergency supplies like a cheap toothbrush or like a cheap thing of deodorant. But if you're in a city, you're not going to settle. If you're, if you're cheap enough to go for like generic deodorant, you're going to go to the bodega, not download an app. And, like, go to the fake bodega in your apartment. The reason that you would go to the fake bodega in your apartment is to get, like, some artisanal thing that you think that no one else carries, you know? Like, the really good brand of toothpaste that no one has. Yeah. Or the really good flavor of this one thing, you know? Like, whatever's, like, really hip and trendy and cool, like, put that in the machine. Don't put Cheetos. Cheetos are everywhere, and Cheetos are cheap. I don't I don't get it. And, and also, at uh, most major hotels, like... They had like a little convenience store in the lobby. Of course. That you could buy, you know, alcohol, you could buy uh, smokes, you can buy deodorant, you could buy all the toiletries that you need. So if it's a big enough place, they got it already. If you're in New York, how far away is a CVS or a bodega? You're already going downstairs. They said eventually centralized shopping won't be necessary because there will be a hundred thousand bodegas spread out with one always a hundred feet away from you. But I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, I don't want any of these things in here. Yeah. If you think that my centralized shopping is a bag of Cheetos, a bag of M&Ms, a carton of crappy razors, and one bottle of smart water, like <laughs> that's in- incorrect. So you're going to have to have a much larger bodega to make me happy. This is a, a, you know, a photo op. How many times are you going to go to that thing and it's going to be empty? Right. At least a bodega, they restock. I, I'm assuming they work on the honor system. Like you pay for it and then you open the thing and then you take the thing out that you want. It's very strange. It doesn't seem like the greatest idea. I don't think that it had a lot of traction and they ended up definitely, definitely losing out on a lot of love with their announcement of this, this business. Continuing on that, that grocery tip. So Walmart wants to, (laughs) to improve upon that delivery service and go into your house and and, and put away your groceries. Oh, I heard about this. Yeah, because, you know, I have – so I have an August lock, and I think that's what they're talking about using. So I have the smart lock. I have it because I do Airbnb every once in a while, and I can just send a code to have somebody that is airbnb open and close my door. It's the contemporary pass, so they have it while they're here, and as soon as they're they're gone, they don't have it anymore. And Walmart wants to give their delivery people that code – so they can come in and put your bottle of milk. I don't know what the heck you're ordering from Walmart that needs to be urgently put into your house. But they want to put the groceries away for you, which is pretty wild. I don't know how I feel about that. This is the convenience that like that doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. 
when I'm working from home or I, I broke my foot, I can't drive and I have a place to deliver me things. That's so helpful. That made my life so much easier. This, I feel like I would stay around and not let them deliver it, you know, while I'm gone. Right. I don't know. I just, it's too creepy. I don't want, I don't care if it's like they vetted, they have a background check. It's still a person I don't know. Just entering my house. Right. And like in the example, they have cameras, but not everyone has cameras. You know, as someone who has an August lock, I know that every single piece of technology that they're showing in this is like a lot of money. Yeah. So August lock plus August doorbell plus August keypad plus August camera. Like that's a lot of cash for a dude to put some eggs in your fridge for you. I don't know about any of that. How about you just go to Walmart and get your groceries? I get the idea because when you do Amazon Prime now, I think that they won't leave frozen stuff there. Is that right? Is that still how it is? I don't know if they won't, but they have an option like leave at the door, you know, don't don't deliver if I'm not home. Like they have kind of customization like that. Yeah. I thought I remembered that. I, I could be wrong, but I thought that I, like, ordered something that was frozen once, and it was like, you have to open the door. Like, if you agree to buy this, you agree that you're going to be there to, like, open the door. And So I kind of get it, but, yeah, I don't know, man. I think that this is one of those things where Walmart has decided to try something a little too early before people are, like, ready for that. I don't think people are ready to... Oh, hey, uh, if I scroll down, the Today Show did a poll. Walmart is testing a service that lets a delivery person put your groceries away when, when you aren't home. Would you use this? 89% of people <laughs> said no, and there was 30,000 votes. So that is pretty definitive. No one wants to do this. Not yet, at least. Someone commented just below that. They can deliver groceries to my door when I'm home, and that's about it. If, uh, if we can stay on this Silicon Valley tip for a minute, uh, I would say, bro, did you this, but I, I know you saw this. I wanted to talk about the Dropbox design. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. So Dropbox, which I would consider one of the most boring companies to have existed in a while, <laughs> has decided, nah. So hurtful, gosh. No, I mean, it just is their thing. You know, it's just productivity first, like simple, white, plain file system. That's what they are. And they said, not anymore, fam. We are creative. And they've come out with this whole new design language that's the most. And I want to know what you think. I bet that they're, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I would argue that this change and shift is to differentiate themselves from Google Drive. Maybe as, as a designer, as a professional, walk me through some of what you see on this page. Off the bat, mm -hmm. it starts off with this loud, uh, it's like half real world image, half painting, like very uh, artistic and like the forms of the people are, are a little exaggerated. So just on that, if I didn't know it was Dropbox, I'd be like, oh, this is really interesting. It's very beautiful. It grabbed my attention for sure. Yeah. And then seeing the Dropbox logo in the corner, I immediately, without scrolling at all, mm -hmm. I immediately thought, oh, this is like someone's Behance project. This is something from Dribble. This is like, yeah, yeah. you know, proof of concept. But then, you know, finding out that it's actually the thing, it was very interesting. It, because you're right. They, while I, maybe I didn't like hearing that they're boring, they are very boring. And this is a, a def, like the boldest move in the furthest direction. Then you scroll down and you get hit with this, I'm just going to say it, ugly, ugly font. I don't <laughs> like it at all. It's, yeah, it's a lot, man. It's way too wide. Yeah. It's way too wide. Mm. I think... When I design, I really like to have contrast. 
So these visuals are mad crazy and loud and vibrant and the colors are so explosive. So I'd probably pair it with a more calm, uh, like a circular that Spotify uses or Helvetica or Galano, you know, something simple that like you're already throwing some craziness in the user's face. You don't need to overwhelm them on every front, but Dropbox is like, <laughs> hold my beer. <laughs> right. Yeah, for real. Other than like the font, I really am digging it. It's very creative. I would never associate this with Dropbox's brand. Right. So it's going to be interesting how they move forward and how they, you know, roll out campaigns or new uh, products. Yeah. And it's a very minimal, at the same time being super loud, it's a very minimal site. Um, they've completely simplified the box logo and they've already gone through a couple iterations before, but now it's, it's not representing a box anymore. So it's like on their, on their website, it says the logo more than storage. Right. So, uh, our old logo was a blue box that implied Dropbox is a great place to store stuff. The new one is cleaner and simpler. And we've evolved it from a literal box to a collection of surfaces to show that Dropbox is an open platform and a place for creation. And in that description, I think they they pulled it off. They nailed it for the redesign. They made it way simple. They uh yeah, I, I really appreciate the the streamlining that they did. Yeah. Um because sometimes when you streamline a thing, it, it, it becomes like too dull and basic, and then it falls under like over hipsterfication. Yeah, and it's just simple for simple sake. This one, yes, it's simplified, but it still maintains the like the original form. Like a person sees this, they'll still know Dropbox, but then like a design nerd is like, oh, I get it. Okay, that's sweet. Yeah. So it, it's going to be interesting to see this all roll out. Because there's a lot of uh, different vibes, a lot of different visuals. Ah, still, that font. That font is so bad. I dislike it so much. If you look at the logo long enough, it turns into a series of diamonds, and it looks really pretty. And I like that. Yeah. It, they did a good job of making it two things at once. Yeah, it's neat. Yeah, I, I like it too. But that font, though. Everything else, I, I really dig. Yeah, that font, though. Ugh. And they have an example of like the multiple different weights and... Uh, just the shapes that the font can take on. Like it has a bunch of different classes and weights and categories. Yeah. And some of them are great, but the one they chose yeah, it's a lot. to use for the site is, it's it's horrible. Other than that, I'm really down for it. I really dig it. Um, I think it's a, a bold take. I, I wish they would have picked, like scroll up and it says, welcome to Dropbox. And it has like an animate, animation with like blues and teals and orange. Yeah. I don't know. Actually, it's still kind of wide. It's just such a weird font. It's very wide. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. I think it's interesting. I, I When I sent this to you, I had commented that it feels like we're going into the weird phase of a lot of these Silicon Valley companies in their design from super boring to super crazy. And I'm, I'm, I'm not against that. I think it's kind of neat. It's interesting to see them try to explore a more creative approach to design and to branding. I definitely was not expecting this, especially from Dropbox. So it's cool. I, I dig it. They're trying different things. Um, I haven't seen, you know, the general consensus. I don't know if people like it or if they hate it. People, uh, I showed it to the guys at the office, mm -hmm. and literally everyone was said, "Is this real?" Yeah, totally. <laughs> because it's so, you know, out of nowhere. Right. I get it. It's pretty strange. And they're like not even making use of white a lot. No. I know. I think that they are bored by it. 
which I kind of get. I, I wonder how it's going to translate into the actual product of Dropbox. I know, and that's I, I think that's one of the things that I saw that was the most interesting is somebody had commented just basically saying um, this design is definitely influenced by whatever products Dropbox is currently working on. So we don't know what that is, but they are they are definitely working on things internally that this design is a reflection of. So it's kind of exciting. I mean, I'm down with that. I don't really use Dropbox that much, and I but I don't have any affinity towards any of these things. You know, I use whatever one gives me the most space. But I would love to use one that I felt like was creatively designed and fun to use because I do not use the word fun when I think of Dropbox or Google Drive. No, not at all. No. But I would like to. We use Dropbox for the most part at the office. We are, however, if not thinking, trying to make it happen, switching over to Google Drive. Uh And my soul is dying a little bit because Google Drive is even more just robotic and like these are the only things you need. It's like I know, but I want a little fluff. Right, exactly. Especially because of what I use Dropbox for, which is managing you know, uh, digital assets like brands, logos – uh, imagery, mood boards, a lot of visual stuff. I need to not be distracted by the infrastructure. And when it's so robotic and so like empty of any personality, it it stands out. And it's like, ah, it's so bad. I just, I can't help but pay attention to it. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know, man. Cool. Cool for Dropbox. I hope their product, you know, evolves for the better. Yeah, totally. Keeping with this Silicon, uh, Silicon Valley theme. Mm-hmm. Bro, did you see this? Nestle acquired a majority stake in Blue Bottle. Yeah, I did see this. I am okay with it. Do you have an opinion on it? So I, I'm not like the biggest co- coffee connoisseur, but I know that you frequent coffee shops all around the world. I do. And I know that you, you value a good cup of coffee. Yes, Your Honor. <laughs> right. Uh, that makes me think of that Martin Shkreli uh, yes. case. <laughs> Call back. But so people hate on Starbucks around Tampa because it's too commercial. It's too mainstream. So Nestle is like pretty mainstream of a company. Right. You know, everyone knows them. Mm-hmm. Um, and Blue Bottle, from what I've observed, is pretty respected in the sense of like, yeah, they have quality coffee. Sure, they, they might have like a couple stores and franchises, but they're like quality coffee. Right. So I wonder, I ask you, as a coffee lover, do you worry that the formula might change? The process might, you know, become more streamlined and taking away the, the bespoke nature, the like, the, the thing you came for? Are you worried about that at all? That's what I'd be curious about. This is interesting. Blue Bottle's freaking amazing. I don't know if you ever had that coffee or not, but they're everywhere. When I visited you, we went there. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, so Los Angeles, San Francisco, you know, they're in all these cities. And they're sort of, I mean, to to be really reductive, kind of like the apple of the coffee world in the sense that... They might not be first, but they do it right. They might not be first, but they do it right. Totally. They really care about training. Like I had heard from one of the baristas that basically... Like once you become pretty inundated and like the company is pretty sure that you're going to stick around for a while, they will like fly you to wherever their headquarters are and do a bunch of barista training for you Oh wow! to like make sure that you know exactly how to do things. So it's sort of like I think Apple does the same thing for their geniuses. Like once you become a certain level of a genius, you'll get flown to their headquarters to get trained on certain things. So 
I think that this is actually a super good move for them because it's pretty clear that they have huge ambition. They've always wanted to be the next Starbucks, and I, man, would be happy to have them as the new Starbucks because they do stuff really well. And they're that kind of company that they just do a few things and they do those few things well. So they have coffee, sometimes they have waffles, and they have the occasional breakfast thing, and that's it. So that's pretty scalable in that sense, you know, because they're doing just a few things and they're doing a few things well. And they're already trying to make themselves into a bigger thing than they are. Like they have a cold brewed coffee. I think it's called like the New Orleans coffee available in what's what's the paper milk thing called? What's that freaking called? Milk carton. A milk carton. Yeah. So they have the New Orleans stuff in a milk carton that you can buy. I can buy it here in Reading. So... I mean, that's a company that's like setting their sights higher than just opening a coffee shop and making it really, really good. And for me, the example that we can look at is a company called La Colombe, which is another coffee shop that I love a whole lot. I ended up finding it in New York when I was there a couple of years ago. And then when I visited LA recently, they had just opened up a new one there. And that has a majority stake purchased by Chobani. Oh. Yeah. Chobani bought a huge stake in La Colombe a few years ago, and all that's happened is they've been able to make more La Colombes and a few like products that they can sell. Hey, but but yogurt? Yeah. Yogurt bought a coffee place? Yeah. Well, I think that they... It seems like a weird diversification of your portfolio. I don't know a whole lot about Chobani, but I would assume it's sort of the same thing as Nestle. And that's the funny thing is I have a Nespresso machine at home, and I love that thing. So <gasps> You might get blue bottle Nespresso capsules. My God, that'd be amazing. But no matter what, <laughs> both of my favorite coffees are owned by Nestle now. So, I mean, they've done a really good job making Nespresso, like, not bad. It's a really good quality espresso that you can have in your house, and they keep making new machines, and they keep making, you know, new good quality coffee. So, yeah, I think it's cool. I would love to see them expand out of major cities, but we'll see We'll see how far they get. We'll know they've arrived if they come to Tampa. We'll know they arrived if they come to Redding. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, true. Yeah, you're even... Ugh. I know. I forget how small your market I is. I know, it's sad. Although I have a good coffee shop here, so I can't complain. Okay, bro, did you see this? Man trapped in an apartment due to poor UPS package placement. Dude, I did see this, and I thought, that sucks. <laughs> That's so bad. That's so great. Yeah. That's so great. It's wild. But yeah, he just got trapped. So somebody like put a package on the door handle in a way that made it so that the person couldn't turn their doorknob from inside of their house to like open the door. And I'm assuming that the door opened, what would that be like, outward? And it wouldn't open outward because the door was jammed at this point, which is a pretty weird problem to have. But what's greater is – so that that's picture that I sent you is not the picture from the story. That's another person replying in the thread saying, yeah, it happened to me too recently. <laughs> so I guess these UPS or like these delivery people are not really – they're just in the zone and they're like, got to drop this package off. I don't know why they don't just put it on the doorstep like other delivery people. I don't like that. That would be a problem if you had like a fire. Or like something bad happening inside your house. <laughs> oh, no. It just got too real. Yeah. That's got to ruin your day right there. Okay. So you know how Instagram has ads? Yeah. Sometimes they're like not linked to an account, you know? Like it just is like a random Instagram ad that doesn't actually have like a backing account. Yeah, yeah. 
and I saw one a while ago, and I thought I took a screenshot of it, but I couldn't find it anywhere, and I was sad because I, I specifically took it just for this show, and thankfully, I found it on Twitter. So check this Instagram ad out. Wait, what? Yeah. So it's a it's an ad for piracy. Like it, it specifically says no piracy. Yeah. Sponsored. And it's a picture of like uh, the laptop keyboard, mm-hmm. like zoomed in. You can't see the screen, just the keys. And there are two thumb drives right. placed on top of the keyboard, but like placed in a place like you would never put the, the thumb drives there. You know, just that's where they go. And then there's a bunch of 20s, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, about seven 20s fanned out on top of the keyboard. Also, not a place you'd put money probably. Definitely not. Um. Or, like, who fans it out like that? Anti-piracy agencies. <laughs> you saw this ad, like, live in your Instagram feed? Yeah. Like, I was scrolling through Instagram, and I saw this thing, and the caption says, a cash reward could be yours for the taking. Submit a confidential report today. They're trying to get you to rat out people who have been downloading movies illegally or, like, downloading software illegally. That's the one thing that, like... For real, this the guy who posted this picture, he said it perfectly. Snitches get stitches. Yeah, for real. Like child abuse, please report it. Major, you know, violent crimes, please report it. Piracy? Eh. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's fine. It's just an acceptable crime in today's society. Like, everyone does it. Yeah. I bet you Trump and Hillary do it, you know? They're so different, and I bet they do it. It's it's the common denominator. Exactly. If you click through, what you get is it says, do you know a company that's pirating software? So I think they're less interested in, like, movies and more interested in, like, my company stealing Photoshop and giving it to everyone, which is still <laughs> super weird. And it says that, like, yeah, submit it, and if you submit it and we will, like, go check up on it, and if we make them pay us money, then you'll get some of that money, which is pretty crazy. But you see that this ad has so sketchy. 160,000 views, and uh, I wish you would have taken a picture of the comments because the comments are a masterpiece. <laughs> Hundreds of people all saying one after another that they ain't no snitch. Back to back to back to back to back to back to back. To back. I love that. I love that. I love I love when everyone just like agrees decides yeah they, everyone decided that that's what they were going to because you already got to be a certain type of person to be on the internet right and then another level if you're on Instagram and then another level if you're commenting and replying to a sponsored ad about piracy so I just love <laughs> everyone was on the same page now you know so I should have brought this up earlier but uh, a little bit of follow up. From a previous story, we love follow-up here. We do. So, if you remember, if you recall, bro, did you see this? They resolved that monkey photo uh, case. Did they? Lawsuit settled over rights to monkey selfie photo. Okay, so the whole thing here was that a photographer had a bunch of photos of monkeys, was taking them, and then was able to set up his camera in a way that the monkeys were able to trigger it themselves while they were looking at it. And it was basically these monkey selfies and they were super cute and they got really successful. And then PETA decided to sue him on the monkey's behalf. So stupid. Which incredibly, the monkey's name was Naruto. (laughs) And he ended up having so many legal fees that like a ton of stuff happened. And he was basically like, I don't even know if I can be a photographer anymore. 
because I can't afford this case at this point. Yeah, poor guy. So it it was settled. So what happened? Under the deal, mm-hmm. the photographer whose camera was used to take the photos agreed to donate 25% of any future revenue from the images to charities dedicated to protecting Crested Macaw in Indonesia. So yeah, he has to freaking pay money for this photo that he let a monkey take. Really? So that's what they ended up doing? Yeah. So he's got all of his legal fees and this. Yeah, so it says PETA and David Slater agree that this case raises important cutting-edge issues about expanding legal rights for non-human animals. Okay. A goal that they both support. Okay. That's a lie. David Slater does not support this. He said that just to get through with this. No, he did. Uh, he said he was like, this all sucks because these these monkeys are like really endangered and I was trying to bring awareness to them and now no one cares about the monkeys. They all care about this photo. And I was like, that's true, David Slater. You get it. Yeah, then why didn't they – why didn't PETA just see him as like having a heart and be like, you know what? Let's just do a campaign about these monkeys. You know why. And you're going to do it for free. You know why, babe. <laughs> You said that so ominously. You know why. Also, if you try this at home and your lemon makes a popping bubble, comment or like. Because, you know, thumbs up for that. Just some more footage of the popping lemon. Yeah, and basically, this is hot Dr. Pepper. It tastes just like Dr. Pepper, only it's hot, kind of like tea, brings out the cherry flavor. A little carbonation, and I'll see you next time. Later.